Titan's strength, it was kind of a yellow for pain-free athlete, saying that some pain may be okay during this very controlled testing that we're doing. However, moving into some more dynamic movement, something like performance testing, saying, hey, you know, the athlete really needs to be pain-free and then start to have a really high level of confidence in what they're able to do. I think we have a lot of support saying that if athletes are hesitant or if they're kind of overthinking things, that doesn't translate into our ability to play sport well. How can we best support the return to play of athletes following adductor-related groin pain? It is one of the most common conditions experienced by athletes, especially those participating in multi-directional sports, and can pose a particular challenge for clinicians involved in the rehabilitation and return to play of these athletes. In today's episode, we explore the return to play criteria for this athlete group and joining me to share their expertise in this subject is Dr. Stacey Harding, who has completed several research reviews for the Physio Network, including a review of the paper by Vigani et al. 2022 titled Return to Play in Longstanding Adductor-Related Groin Pain, a Delphi Study Among Experts. Stacey herself is a physical therapist and athletic trainer specialising in the treatment of high-performing athletes most recently in Major League Soccer. Her clinical interests include preventative and rehabilitation strategies in the elite athlete, especially of the lumbopelvic hip complex. This episode draws out the key criteria we can use for return to play and really helps highlight things we can do to support athletes to return to the sport that they love. I'm James Armstrong and this is Physio Explained. Right, so welcome to the podcast, Stacey. Thank you so much for coming along. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Brilliant. So we are in this episode going to be talking about the review that you did for the Physio Network back in April. And it's on the return to play in long-standing adductor-related groin pain, which is a Delphi study amongst experts. I thought we'd just start briefly with just a description or an overview of, of the study that you reviewed so brilliantly for our reviews. Sure, absolutely. So like you mentioned, this was a Delphi study, so it brought together about 32 experts. And there's information on what makes this such an incredible group of people in the paper. So a nice group of clinicians, researchers, a couple surgeons and physicians to help gather this information and present it for us. So it really looked at what are the factors that go into return to play with longstanding athletic related growing pain and how can we apply those in the clinic today? Brilliant. It's a great study in terms of practical application for clinicians, I think. And we were talking off air just before this in in terms of how accessible this study has been. And, And I think the review that you've done for the Physio Network really brought that out and enabled clinicians to take this away. So I think this podcast is going to be very, very useful for everyone listening. I thought we'd kickstart with just a brief definition, and it's something that came to my mind as soon as I read the title, was specifically, what do we mean by long-standing adductor-related groin pain? You know, I thought the same thing when I said, and I really wanted a number to grab onto to say, hey, 14 days, 21 days. But really, the definition that they looked at in this paper was saying this is either a persistent or a sudden onset condition that's characterized by tenderness at the adductors and pain on resisted adduction or adduction testing. They kind of outlined what a typical athlete would look like in this scenario. So probably somebody coming from a multi-directional field sport athlete and somebody that is typically involved in multi-directional movement, change of direction, 
some high speed running, sprinting, and then usually kicking a ball too. Fantastic. So it's, it's applicable to an awful lot of athletes that I'm sure many of our listeners will see in clinic on a weekly basis. So this is really useful. So the next bit we're going to dive straight into are the characteristics or the things that the domains that the, the paper brought out in the consensus. As you say, they went through this Delphi study looking at, I think it was three rounds, is that right, mm-hmm. of questions. So we're going to go through those domains that the consensus brought out and agreed on. And we're going to start with strength as one of those return to play areas and domains. So can we talk a bit more on that? Because it's a really important one, isn't it? With strength being assessed. Absolutely. They hit the nail on the head. Strength is really one of the key things that we're looking at. So we looked at four different criteria. One was symmetry. So obviously comparing side to side um, to make sure that you're as close to 100% as possible. And then really looked at isometric and eccentric hip adductor strength. I like to give people the analogy of car tires. You can have car tires that are flat, but symmetrical. So then we really need to look at specific strength and see if we can use some of the nice equations that we have now relative to height, leg length, and body weight to help us with our strength numbers as well. So they really honed in on isometric strength and eccentric strength as well, and then tied that back in with the symmetry too. Fantastic. And picking up on that paper in terms of the position that they couldn't agree on. (laughs) Yes. So I think overall, and this is probably just a general you know, statement, is that there are lots of really amazing technologies for all price points that places can use to quantify. So taking home that we do need to quantify strength, there's a lot of different equipment, like I said, a lot of different technologies, and that obviously is well beyond the scope of this conversation. And likewise, with that, once you have a technology that you really like and you utilize, there are a lot of different methods on doing it. So like you mentioned, a lot of different positions, they can involve the knee bent, they can involve the knee not bent, they can involve both legs being tested at the same time, they can involve being sideline or supine or just any number of different factors. So making sure that you have consistency on how you're testing and how your group is testing and hopefully pulling that into some more of the literature and positions that are being tested most frequently, it was going to be really helpful to have valid and reliable numbers. Really interesting. And I suppose to throw a curveball, and as you mentioned very rightly, this is a big subject area for this podcast, but how important do you think the specificity of position might be in terms of the different adducted muscle groups and say, for instance, hip position is, in your opinion? Yeah, I think it's massively important. If you look at how different parts of the hip musculature work in different even angles of hip flexion, you know, the difference between 0, 45, and 90 is quite significant. And then if you pull in some of the muscles that also act at the hip and the knee, so if you talk about knee position as well, it's massively important. So I think that standardization is really, really important in your group and amongst the scientific community. Excellent. Okay. No, that's really interesting. So that's strength, a big, big part to be looked at when looking at return to play criteria as made in the consensus. And then the next domain we saw come out of the the paper was performance testing. And this was really interesting, actually, because this obviously brought a bit more feedback from the athletes themselves. So can you tell us a bit more about the performance testing? 
Sure. So performance testing was really interesting. Like you mentioned, in the strength testing, there was kind of a yellow consensus, if you will, or kind of if you talk about the stoplight coloring system that they use in their infographic, which we'll have a link to. In strength, it was kind of a yellow for pain-free athlete, saying that some pain may be okay during this very controlled testing that we're doing. However, moving into some more dynamic movement, something like performance testing, saying, hey, you know, the athlete really needs to be pain-free and then start to have a really high level of confidence in what they're able to do. I think we have a lot of support saying that if athletes are hesitant or if they're kind of overthinking things, that doesn't translate into our ability to play sport well in automatic. And it may end up putting them in situations where they may get further injured. So the pain-free athlete became really important in this performance testing. They also looked at planned and unplanned change of direction, which is really important, obviously, relative to the health of the hip and groin. So can we move? Can we change direction? Can we change direction? They looked at 45 degrees, 90 and 180 degrees. And then can you also do that unplanned or in a reactionary sport-like situation, moving from very predictable movement, like we like to do at the beginning typically, and then saying, hey, how are we going to bridge that and make sure you're okay when you go back out where you have to react to a lot of things? And that's really key, isn't it, in looking at that unplanned because as, as that kind of fits back into with the rehab and where you've led that athlete to return to play and whether they can cope and tolerate unplanned is really important as well. In terms of the athlete feedback, was there anything more around the athlete feedback that you feel that came out of the study or that you, you see in practice yourself that works? Sure. So asking, it sounds really simple, but actually asking people, <laughs> how does that feel? How are you feeling with this? other things that you're interested in or are worried about, really letting them know that they have a voice in this and that their voice in this comes alongside your planning of a comprehensive testing battery to say, hey, this is all the information that we know and that we want to see, but what is important to you? Because athletes, I think, are really smart and hone in on key things depending on what's important to them and maybe their position and their even their role on the team. So making sure that they have the ability to voice that and then coming back to that full confidence. What is their confidence going back out? If they say, hey, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. If they can't do it in a controlled environment or semi-controlled, semi-chaotic clinic or facility environment, the likelihood that they're going to be able to translate that into a full sport, I think is pretty low. Yeah. And I suppose along that, I noticed in the study that one of the domains that didn't necessarily come out into the consensus was the patient reported outcome measures. Mm -hmm. Although that didn't come out, would you say that that might still feed into gaining that athlete feedback? And if so, is there anything that you found is validated for this? Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because a lot of the information, if you talk about like psychological readiness, so the ACL has a ton of information. So ACL, RSI, which is great and really hones in on that psychological readiness. Now the hip has a tool that's similar to that. And so I like to use that, the hip RSI, so the readiness scale. I like having the standardization. So that obviously gives us checkpoints along the way. And then I like having the conversations that come off of that. So using it as both a kind of conduit for conversation and then having just another objective checkpoint that comes out from their report as well. I really like that. I think that's a really interesting point, using it as a conversation tool as well as just a 
an outcome measure as such is from a clinician listening to the athlete really, really important. So we move on to the third and final positive consensus domain that came out of the study looking at sport specific skills. And I thought this was a really interesting one, actually, because it lends itself to a clinician understanding the sport. I thought that was quite interesting. So, yeah, your take on this would be really interesting, Stacey. Yeah, you know, this, like you mentioned, it was, like you said, it's an interesting paper and an interesting subject. And I think, number one, if you're working with people with sports that you don't understand, doing some research is going to be really, really key to help understand what they need to do. And really, that's where that athlete feedback piece can come in as well. I don't think athletes expect you to be the expert in their sport, but I think the expectation is that you understand at least some basic and maybe beyond basic movement patterns and things that they're going to need to be able to do to prepare them adequately. I think with most sports that if we talk about that, who are those multi-directional athletes, high-speed running, kicking, change of direction, there are basics that all test with everybody. So from the very beginning, you know, can you accelerate? Can you decelerate? Can you jump? Can you land? Can you change direction? I mean, those are are key to most people who fit into this longstanding athletic related grain plane category. And then saying, hey, what else comes off of that specific to their sport? Is it kicking a ball? Is it how far is that? What part of their foot are they using? What position are they? How frequently are they sending long balls versus how frequently are they just doing a whole bunch of short passes that they're playing more in the center of the field? Are they striking the ball? So really starting to understand the positional demands can become really, really important with this sport-specific testing piece. Because you've got sport-specific, but then as you mentioned there, you've got positional-specific as well. So very much, and I really interesting, you picked up even there on, on that long ball or that short ball, or or is it more of a power in terms of striking the ball? And that's only, I'm thinking of football, but yeah, so that could be very specific. So we move on to the final criteria, which was a negative consensus. So something that they strongly agreed upon that is not needed in terms of a return to play criteria. So we have imaging. And this is interesting, especially, I think, depending on where you are in the world. But I think everywhere, this is a good talking topic. So imaging, fire away, Stacey. (laughs) Absolutely. I love when you get negative consensus in Delphi studies because I don't know, it just excites me. They're like, absolutely not in this one. So no's are helpful too, and to have information on no's. So I think imaging in the longstanding athletic relating groin group, it really can muddy the water without giving information that's gonna help your rehab. So there isn't any data that I'm aware of right now to support that information that is coming out of this is going to significantly change what we're doing or help us predict timelines, which is what athletes are interested in. So obviously, there is an indication if there's confusion or perhaps isn't consensus on what actually is going on. Maybe there's some underlying condition that we're not aware of or perhaps it's not progressing as we would expect. However, if the person truly does fit into this category, imaging isn't going to give us any additional information that will change our rehab. And it may actually muddy the waters with some things like if they're having changes to the shape of their bones and their hip, that might get construed in a way that messaging may come back in a way that sends a person down a different road. So I'll always tell people if my clinical exam of them and their history and the combination of that picture all fit well together and say, hey, we don't need it for these reasons. 
here is what we're going to use to progress us through this process. If at any point we go off course, it's something that we can revisit. However, at this point, it's not necessary. Hmm. I think it's so apt in, in so many different areas of what we do now, that education and, and framing it for the athlete or your patient is, I think that's probably the most critical element of this because we can understand it all we want. But actually, if that patient has that seed of doubt still, that can be quite negative in terms of their progress as well. So it's uh, really interesting. Absolutely. And kind of at the end of the day, it's your body, your choice. So if it, that's something that is really important to you for whatever the reason, that's not my, my job is to provide you the education and the information that we know, but my job isn't to tell you what's most important for you. That's for you to decide. So if that means getting an image through your primary care provider or somebody else who is also agreeable to that, I think that's perfectly applicable too. Mm. I think it's a, a well-rounded viewpoint on it. So Stacey, this has been brilliant. I think it's a really interesting paper. I think you've done it really good justice in, in the research review that you did for us at Physio Network. And I really do recommend that anyone listening to this does go back and look at your review. And we'll put links in the show notes to the review and the study. Stacey, thank you so much for your time today. It has been so useful with some clear clinical pearls for our listeners to take away and put straight into practice. I'd also like to say a big thank you for all the research reviews that you do for Physio Network. There are many for the listeners to read, so I recommend everyone heads over to the Physio Network to check them out. So if you found this episode useful, as I'm positive you have, we would really appreciate your support by subscribing and even giving us a review to help us reach more people around the globe. Thank you, Stacey. We look forward to having you on again.